And David could say that he had not seen the righteous forsaken. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning, as we continue to look at the life of David, I pray that you would help us to, to grow in our knowledge of your word. But Lord, more than that, not, not just to gain knowledge, but Lord, that we would learn from the life of David to make our lives different, and that we would be more like Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those here this morning or who, those watching who may be uh, going through a, a hard battle. I pray that you would just encourage them and comfort them. And Lord, for each one of us, the, the challenge each day of serving and following you, Lord, may we uh, learn from the life of David, be encouraged in our journey with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last two weeks, we've been introduced to David. We've been introduced to him as the future king of Israel and as the conquering hero as he faced a giant. David has taught us about the importance of character as he was God's choice to lead that nation. And he's taught us about courage as he in the midst of fear all around him, and I'm sure fear in his own life, he trusted God and courageously faced the giant Goliath. But after the thrill of victory that we looked at last week in 1 Samuel 17, after this kid killed the giant, David was faced with adversity, namely the jealousy of an angry king, King Saul. We pick up the story as we enter 1 Samuel chapter 18. Follow along as I read verses 5 through 9 of 1 Samuel 18. It says, So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul sent, set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him and he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. David had the, the great victory in chapter 17, and then Saul set him over the armies of Israel. He's a very young man. He was in charge. And what happened, they, they had victory after victory, and the people and the soldiers and even servants in Saul's own household saw David and had this utmost respect for this young man. And they were looking to their hero. And so David would return from battle and Saul would, would hear the ladies sing out, David has killed his ten thousands and Saul his thousands. And it made Saul very jealous and angry. 
It's interesting that first verse, we read verse 5, it says, and David behaved wisely. He, he recognized what was taking place and the jealousy of Saul that was occurring. And, and David was very careful in all of his actions. But even in, in David being careful and, and faithful and honoring to the king, Saul still allowed the jealousy and the anger that accompanied that jealousy to control him. And Saul sought for how he could kill David. Now, over the next few chapters here in 1 Samuel, we see God brings different people into David's life to support him in some very difficult times. But then, God also allowed those people to be taken away from David, pointing to David's need to depend upon God and God alone. These next few chapters are a roller coaster. David facing incredible adversity, but in the adversity, we can still see the hand and the strength of God. We'll begin this morning by looking at some of these supports to help David, these people that, that God brought into David's life to help him, to support him. First one we see is a lady named Michael who was a wife who loved and stood with him. Originally, David was set to marry Michael's older sister. But Saul ended up giving her to another man. Now, if you remember from, from chapter 17, the, the person who was able to defeat Goliath was given relief from taxes, he and his family, but also given many prizes and, and, and gifts. And one of them was Saul's daughter in marriage. But what happened, Saul ended up giving this older daughter to another man. But Saul had a younger daughter whose name was Michael. And Michael was in love with David. And Saul, in his jealous mind, began to plot. And he thought, this may not be bad. And he thought, okay, I, I will give Michael, my daughter, to David in marriage, but at that time they had dowries that were required. And so Saul came to David and said, you know, I know my older daughter's married but now, but, uh, but I'll go ahead and give you Michael, and all you have to do is kill a hundred Philistines. Not a big thing. It's all thinking, all right, a hundred Philistines, that's a hundred to one. I think David, he's incredible, but I, that's not good odds. We'll just put it that way. Surely one of them will kill David. But, but David, amazingly so, didn't kill just 100, he killed 200. So the marriage took place. But, but Saul, I'm sure in his mind, had to be thinking this. Okay, well, yeah, I was hoping he'd get killed at fighting the Philistines, but, but that didn't happen. But, but this isn't all bad because now my daughter is next to David, and so I can sort of lean on her for some intel. Surely I can have influence on my daughter, Michael, and, and this may give me an opportunity to get rid of my enemy David. Saul thought that he could manipulate Michael in helping defeat David, but Michael chose to protect David. 
Look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. It says, Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. So what's happening? In the night, he, he sends out these soldiers to go and to wait outside David's house. So in the morning, when David comes out, they can kill him. Assassination. But something happens. And Michael, David's wife, told him, told David, saying, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michael let David down through a window and he went and fled and escaped. So Michael, instead of, of being on Saul's side, chose to protect her husband David. Helps him to escape. And if you read over the next few verses, it doesn't stop there. Then, then she took and she put a dummy in David's bed to make it look like a man was sleeping there. And, and she told these soldiers that were out there ready to kill him, oh yeah, David's sick. And that gave David even a little more time to, to get away from Saul's plot. And when finally they found out what was taking place later that day, Saul was incensed at his daughter, Michael. How dare she help David escape from Saul. Then not only a, a, a wife that loved and protected him, we see that, that David was given Samuel, a mentor who walked with him. So David, with the help of Michael, escaped from Saul's trap, but he needed to hide, and so he went and he met up with Samuel. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 18, it says, So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul, Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth. Now, while the text here does not share what David and Samuel discussed, we can be confident that Samuel, a wise and godly mentor to David, encouraged and advised him in life. So God had provided a faithful wife. God had provided a strong mentor. But not only that, we see in these chapters that, that God provided David with a friend named Jonathan. And Jonathan was a friend who sacrificed for David, who defended David and encouraged David. Jonathan was an amazing friend. He was a man who focused on his friend rather than himself. He was a friend that would be great for us to have and it would be a friend that would be great for us to be. Notice what it says in 1 Samuel 18, the first four verses. David had just come back from fighting Goliath, and the, Israel had a great victory. And so we pick up in chapter 18, it says, Now when he, David, had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day, Saul took David that day, and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Let's stop there for just a second. If you remember from a couple weeks ago what happened, Saul was having troubles with evil spirits, was with with. He was having some mental issues, and so they brought in David to play his harp to soothe Saul. And, and David would go back and forth from home to, to spend some time at the palace, back to home there in Bethlehem with Jesse and the family. But, but now Saul said, no, you're going to stay here full time. 
So pick up in verse 3, it says, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he, Jonathan, loved him, David, as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. You have to understand here what Jonathan was doing, what sacrifice he was making for his friend. You see, Jonathan was next in line to be king, but he knew that God had chosen David to take the throne. And instead of being jealous and angry, Jonathan sacrificed for his friend. He gave David his weapons and his robe. And it may be saying, why did he give him his robe? Well, that was his sign of royalty. It was a royal robe. And so Jonathan, in giving him the robe, was saying, here, David, you are the one who is going to be royalty. And Jonathan sacrificed his own desires his own future position for his friend David. But not only did he sacrifice for him, we see that he defended him. In 1 Samuel chapter 19, verses 4 and 5, Jonathan defended David before his father Saul. Verses 4 and 5, 1 Samuel 19 says, Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul his father and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant against David, because he has not sinned against you, dad. His works have been very good toward you, for he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? Jonathan, talking to his father Saul, said, listen, Dad, look at what David has done. He has been faithful. He has been loyal. He is innocent. What are you doing trying to kill this innocent, faithful servant? But the defense that Jonathan gave to his father did not sway Saul. In fact, by defending David, Jonathan also became a father, or a target of his own father. Saul, you'll read in these chapters that Saul not only tried to kill David, but in a fit of rage tried to kill his own son, Jonathan. But Jonathan still went out and found ways to protect his friend David from Saul. And first chapter, or first Samuel chapter 20 shares the narrative of, of a plan that Jonathan and David devised to find out the intentions of Saul and to protect David and allow him to escape. Finally, as they were forced to separate, Jonathan encouraged his friend. If we fast forward to chapter 23, verses 16 and 17, it says, Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. Jonathan snuck out into the woods to encourage David. And some of the words that he shares here in his promise to David are amazing when he says, you will be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Jonathan intentionally said, I am going to be second. How hard is it to do that, to put yourself second? Our goal is to be first. We want it to be all about us. But Jonathan said, no, it's not about me. It's about, obviously, God and you, David. You're the one God has chosen. 
and I willingly step back and become second. What an amazing friend. And in the midst of his adversity, in the midst of fleeing from an angry and jealous King Saul, David could have a friend like Jonathan, a support to help him. But God gave him another support, and this guy's name was Ahimelech. Ahimelech was one of the priests, and we see that Ahimelech was a priest who provided for him. In the end of chapter 20, Saul, or excuse me, David and Jonathan separate. Jonathan goes back to the palace. David heads out to hide in the hills. And those two don't know if they will ever see each other again, much less spend much time together. We do find out in chapter 23, as we read earlier, that there was a very brief time where Jonathan was able to go and meet David, but that seems to be the only other time that those two got together after this separation at the end of chapter 20. And David had to have been devastated. Here in the midst of my adversity, this friend who has stuck with me through thick and thin, God's sending us different ways. But David goes and he meets Ahimelech. And we see that that David needed food and he needed a weapon and he's collecting some men around him as they're going together, sort of a Robin Hood and his merry men that we'll be looking at here in the next couple weeks. But this guy Ahimelech, at the risk of his own life, provides for David. Notice what it says in 1 Samuel 21.6. It says, so the priest, that's Ahimelech, gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. And then we go down to verse 9 of 1 Samuel 21. It says, so the priest, again Ahimelech, said, the sword of Goliath the Philistine whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except that one here. And David said, there is none like it, give it to me. So so Ahimelech offered him this holy bread and offered him the, the sword that Goliath had had that was there in the place of the priest's. And Ahimelech, risking his own life, was brought in by God to protect or to provide for David. And God used each one of these people to help David. But we find that their help, as all human help, was only temporary. One by one, the supports were taken away. First, Michael. We see that Michael chose to lie about David to protect herself. Just a few verses after she risked her life to to help David escape, she lied to her father to look good to him and to, in a sense, throw David under the bus. She began by protecting David, but when things got hard, she lied to her father in order to make it look like David would threaten to kill her, and that's the only reason that she helped him. Notice verse Samuel 19, 17. It says, Then Saul said to Michael, father talking to daughter here, Why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? Why did you help David escape, Michael? And Michael answered Saul, 
He, David, said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? The girl who just previously, it says, loved David, who stood by him, now deserted him when things got tough. So, support number one, taken away. And then we see that David and Samuel were forced to separate. David and Samuel were were hanging out at Naoth, but someone spotted them and reported it to King Saul. And Saul sent soldiers to go and get David. And we see that David had to flee for his life. The first verse of 1 Samuel chapter 20, it says, Then David fled from Naoth to Ramah. David was once again on the run and he was separated from a wise and godly mentor. But we also see that circumstances required that Jonathan and David went separate ways. Jonathan recognized the depth of his father's jealousy and those two best friends had to go in opposite directions. They said goodbye and that goodbye is found in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 42, it says this, Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Jonathan went back to the palace, but David had to go into hiding. They went opposite directions, as I mentioned before, not sure that they would ever see each other again. And then Ahimelech, the last of those supports, he was killed for supporting David. We find in chapter 22 that Saul had Ahimelech and 84 other priests killed because Ahimelech chose to provide for and to help David. 1 Samuel twenty-two sixteen says, And the king said, speaking to Ahimelech, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. And then he had this guy named Doeg kill all 85. And the roller coaster of these chapters is David runs for his life, but is encouraged by people that God allows to come around him. But now, all those supports are gone. And David has to once again feel alone, wondering why. And we may have some of those same thoughts. Why God? These ones that you put around me and have been such an encouragement to me in in so many different ways, but now they're all gone. God, what are you doing? But there's some very important lessons that we can learn. I don't think this week that you'll probably be in hiding, maybe sneaking over to Townsend to get away from some ungodly king who wants you killed but we face some of the same struggles that David faced you may be here this morning and you you feel like David you feel all alone you feel like those supports those people around you 
things have happened and whether by choice or circumstance those supports have been pulled out. And you may even say, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this, God? I don't understand. But I do think there's some lessons that we can learn. We can learn that God can bring people into our lives to support us. God gave David, at least in the first part of the story, a loving wife who protected her husband, risked her own life for him. God provided with one of the greatest friends ever described in the guy named Jonathan. God provided a mentor who walked along with David, who advised and encouraged him, a godly man, the godly leader of Israel named Samuel. And God provided a, someone named Ahimelech who could provide for David's needs at the time when David most needed them. God provides supports for us. And we need to recognize and appreciate those supports. And we need to recognize that God has brought us into the lives of others to be the support for them. Whether it's a spouse, a friend, someone that we're mentoring, or maybe it's just a specific time when someone needs something and we have the ability to provide. We can thank God for the supports and we can be the support for whom others can thank God. But not only that, it's important to recognize that supports may be removed. And this is one of the most difficult things to understand in this story. Why, God? David could say, God, why did you have my wife abandon me in my greatest need? Why did, because of circumstances, you allow both my friend Jonathan, my mentor Samuel, to be taken from, from me? And why did you allow that wicked King Saul to kill Ahimelech and 84 others? Because Ahimelech chose to provide for me. God can allow those we lean on to be taken away. We may not, may never understand why. But it cannot keep us from trusting God. God will always be there. He is the one who will be the forever and faithful support that, we're need, that we need. You see, we are made to lean. And God is the one that we can fully lean on. People can let us down. Circumstances may change. But God is faithful and he never changes. The actions of Michael show us how people can let us down. 
In a short time, she went from risking her life to protect David to making false claims against him to save her own neck. It's interesting in this story, we, we see some weakness in Michael, even in the beginning of the story. And so what happens is, is she loved David. They got married. I'm sure it must have been a fairy tale wedding, right? I mean, the king's daughter marrying the national hero. <laughs> That's got to be a great one. But what happens? They, they start their happily ever after, but the sinfulness of Saul challenges the relationship. And we see that, that Michael risked her life to, to save her husband, to help him escape. But, but it's interesting, when, when she put the, we used the term dummy in the bed earlier to make it look like a man was sleeping, and she told these, these messengers who were actually soldiers sent out to kill David, yeah, David's really sick today. <laughs> yeah, have you heard about this COVID stuff that's going around? I think he's got it. But you, if you read, guess what the dummy was? It was an idol that she had in her house. Wood or stone, we don't know, but a carved image, an idol. Pretty sad. And you see this faithful spouse when things got tough didn't stand. Maybe you're in a marriage right now and, and you feel like you're really struggling. And you wonder if your spouse is putting you first. Or maybe you're struggling with putting them first. Or maybe it's a friend who's let you down. Or you don't feel you have friends at all. So it's maybe a person letting you down. It may be circumstances taking them away. Maybe it's death. Or a good friend who has to move somewhere else. Or just the circumstances of life that keep you from spending time together, encouraging each other, challenging each other, and you feel alone. Even the faithful friend Jonathan, who throughout the story stands over and over again as a faithful and selfless friend, did not have the ability to protect David at all times. But God is the one in whom we can lean in every circumstance at all times. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10 says this, Fear not, God is speaking here by the way, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is the one and the only one who can fully and faithfully hold us up. 
In Psalm chapter 3, the third psalm, and, and about half of the psalms that are recorded in Scripture are, are from David. And this is one of them that is. And this, this in Psalm 3, it's a little later in, David li- in David's life, but he's still running for his life. And he writes these words in verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 3. He says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Selah. What's David saying? Again, a little later, he's still running from Saul. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're the one who protects me. And then he uses this phrase, you are the one who lifts my head. What a powerful picture. God is the one who can give us strength. God is the one who can protect us, who guides us, who walks with us, whether we have other supports that God has allowed in our lives at the time or whether in this time in life they seem to be taken away. God is that eternal, faithful support. So this morning, if you're feeling desperate, you're feeling alone, you're feeling like you're in the valley, do not fear. Because God is that shield about you. He is the one who lifts your head. You know, there's a song that uh, you're probably familiar with called Lean on Me, right? You thought it was about a Chevy truck, I think, right? You remember that old commercial? And it's a picture of people leaning on and supporting each other, which can happen, and be grateful for those supports. But the only one who can truly fulfill the lines of that song is God. Remember how the song goes, lean on me. I could say it or sing it. I'll go ahead and say it for you. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I will help you carry on. So wherever you are this morning, God is singing those words to you. Much better than I can sing them. God is saying, lean on me when you're not strong. Because I, God, can help you carry on. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you are a God that we can lean on. Lord, I am so grateful for people that you've put around me that can support and encourage and comfort me. But Lord, help me also to realize that they all come from your strength. And your grace. And ultimately, you are the one on whom I can lean. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.